0: Oh, by the way, I've worked with all of the companies that develop uh, treatments that interfere with blood clotting. Blood clotting, of course, is the most important system in the body. But I don't want to overplay it. And I have some learning objectives uh, here. In patients with stable coronary or peripheral artery disease, I'd like you to be able to describe at the end of this, the effectiveness and the safety of a new approach to treatment with a combination of two treatments that I'll come to a little later on. I'd like you to be able to understand the safety of this combination and to have some sense as to the overall benefit of combining this newer therapy, rivaroxaban, with aspirin. But back to the spectrum of atherosclerosis, so a disease that affects the entire vascular treatment, a disease that is incredibly common. Imagine 1 in 25 people around the world have this condition. Every week, more than 300,000 people die of this it's a remarkable statistic that today in 2018 this is still the number one killer in the world and this is despite a long list of effective therapies to prevent and treat cardiovascular disease you will recognize on this list some common treatments and we're going back here 30, 40 years since some of these treatments were introduced, beta blockers, blood pressure lowering, (coughs) blood glucose lowering, cholesterol lowering, and then this category of drugs that interferes with the renin-angiotensin system. And at the bottom of the list, last but not least, you can imagine, antithrombotic therapy. (coughs) Now in the COMPASS trial, Recognizing the enormous burden of this disease and the unmet need, we set out to improve our ability to block the thrombosis process. And the reason is that when we have atherosclerosis, the final pathway that results in heart attack and stroke and an acute limb ischemia is thrombosis. The plaque ruptures and the thrombus clot forms on that plaque blocks the blood supply. When the blood supply is blocked, we lack oxygen to the tissues that are normally supplied by the blood vessel, and we get the heart attack and the stroke. So theoretically, at least, if we can more efficiently block that final pathway, we can further reduce the burden complications relating to atherosclerosis. Now, in the United States, these are data from the REACH registry, published by uh, someone who works around here somewhere. I don't know exactly where. Somewhere close. Uh, We know that in respect of targeting the clotting system, aspirin is the most commonly used treatment. And for good reason, it's effective. We sometimes combine it with other anti drugs, but that's the minority. And then there are still some people, also in the United States, that don't get any anti thromboid therapy. Why am I telling you this? Well, I'm telling you this because we chose as the control group in this big trial, aspirin, because of the very fact that it is the most commonly used treatment for this condition to target thrombosis. Now the treatment that we selected to test in COMPASS, the combination of rivaroxaban and aspirin, had already been tested by a trial called ATLAS. Also done, uh, led from this town, the ATLAS trial tested the combination of rivaroxaban given at a dose of either two and a half milligrams twice a day or five milligrams twice a day versus placebo so rivaroxaban plus placebo or versus placebo on a background of antiplatelet therapy and in this ATLAS trial the rivaroxaban treatments were more effective in the blue and the orange lines and the control group which didn't involve rivaroxaban. So we knew that these low doses of rivaroxaban were effective. So in the compass trial we decided to test the same doses of rivaroxaban. And the strategy was as follows. The first group of patients received aspirin, a low dose of an antiplatelet drug aspirin, and an anticoagulant drug with In doing so, we targeted two mechanisms of thrombosis, the platelet and the clotting system. And we thought this combination would be better than aspirin alone and we'd get some more bleeding, but not very much. The second arm of the study, <clears throat> we thought, let's test an anticoagulant alone. Let's see if we can do away with aspirin and just treat with rivaroxaban. Hereby we target one mechanism and we thought this would be more effective than aspirin, but not increase bleeding. And then the third arm was aspirin alone. And so our specific objectives, and we included people with either coronary artery disease or peripheral artery disease, our specific objectives were to determine whether these rivaroxaban-based therapies would reduce the risk of cardiovascular death, stroke, or myocardial infarction, compared with aspirin alone. There was a second set of randomizations in this study, And that was Pantoprazole, a drug that prevents acid production in the stomach, compared with placebo to see if we could reduce the risk of bleeding from the bowel. And that part of the study is still ongoing, so I won't talk about that anymore. So here is the design. Compass, 27,395 patients, stable CAD or PAD. Here is the run-in phase, and this is a 30-day period during which we tested whether the patients who agreed to participate would actually take their pills. And we've known from past experience that about 1 in 10 people who come into the clinic and say, yes, we'll do your study, after a few weeks they say, you know, I thought I'd like to do this, but I've changed my mind. So by doing this run-in, we could recognize those people and remove them from the study so that they wouldn't have to bear the burden of participating and we wouldn't have to bear the burden of continuing to follow them. Those that remained were randomized by the computer generated system to receive one of the three treatment arms that I've described. And we thought this trial would go on for three to four years The main outcome was, as I've mentioned, cardiovascular death, stroke, or myocardial infarction, and we had a number of secondary outcomes, including mortality, total mortality. For bleeding, we defined this according to a modification of a commonly used definition called the ISTH definition, and we subdivided this into critical types of bleeds, that is, bleeds that kill you, leads into critical organs such as the brain or around the heart and surgical site bleedings, the really bad bleeds, and then other bleeds which were a nuisance or an irritation but were less serious. Here is a world map that shows where the participants came from. And you'll notice immediately that North America, South America, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Russia, China, Japan, Australia, and South Africa were all represented in this study. And that's important because it means that the results are likely to be generalizable to a large part of the world. The United States contributed almost 1,500 patients, which is a phenomenal effort. It's always difficult to run big trials. It's always difficult to recruit them and follow them, and the United States made a very important contribution, so we're very grateful to the efforts uh, that were made to put uh, Americans in this study. Now, as every trial, the COMPASS trial was monitored by an independent data safety monitoring board, and these boards are made up of experts in methodology, people who know how to run these trials, experts in atherosclerosis, coronary artery disease, and peripheral artery disease, and uh, various experts in blood clotting and bleeding, and strokes, in cardiology, and in statistics. And they had their marching rules that they were to monitor the study for safety, first and foremost, but also at two occasions during the course of the study, they were to apply some stopping rules that would to do a formal analysis and determine whether there might be a difference between the treatments that was so large that the trial should stop early for ethical reasons if there's a huge benefit we may want to stop early so that patients can immediately benefit from the treatment. So what happened was at their first analysis, halfway through the study, the DSMB did their analysis and they found an enormous difference between treatment groups. It was so large that they said, we must recommend stopping the study. And the statistics for those of you who are thus minded are here. This Z-score of minus 4.59 reflects an enormous difference. This value is the probability that this was a chance finding is very very small. So there's a very low probability that this was just good luck that we showed something. In fact it's almost impossible that this result is by the play of chance. We're absolutely convinced that one treatment is way better than another. And Again, for those of you statistically minded, this is the picture that the DSMB saw. And they, over time, monitored the data, and they looked at this hazard ratio, and here is the line of one. So any estimate that's below one reflects a benefit of treatment. And right from 2015 through to 2017, when they stopped the study, there was a clear benefit, with this dark black line, a clear benefit of the combination of Rivaroxaban and aspirin compared with aspirin alone. So who were the people who came into COMPASS? Their average age was around 68. Pretty typical for a population with CAD, coronary artery disease or PAD peripheral artery disease as usual it was difficult to get women to enroll in this study and that's a whole story by itself we're always underrepresented in cardiovascular trials uh, women are always underrepresented one in five in this study uh, was a woman so it's still thousands of patients and the results results still clearly apply to women but it's something to remember in the back of our minds that we need to do a lot better at recruiting women. One in three persons had diabetes.
1: 90%
0: of participants had coronary disease and about 27% had peripheral artery disease. So some people had both. It was overlap, but most had coronary disease and a smaller proportion had peripheral artery disease. And uh, Dr. Sonia and then is going to talk about the peripheral artery disease population a little later it's also important to note that the people who came into this study were well treated their blood pressure was on average pretty well controlled 136 on 78 roughly and their cholesterol was reasonably well treated this is a total cholesterol of 4.2 and you may be familiar with ldl cholesterol which will be even lower this was, and this is not an American unit, so I don't know what the milligrams the decilator is, but maybe the next speaker will tell you what that is. But this is pretty well-controlled cholesterol. So a well-treated population, and here are the treatments that the population was getting. So lipid lowering, your statins, uh, atorvastatin and rosuvastatin were very widely used in 90% of these people. were getting the ACE inhibitor or ARB treatments that are now routinely used for cardiovascular disease. Beta blockers in 70%. And most people, before starting the study, were getting aspirin. The main results are shown on this slide. So remember the three treatment groups, the combination of rivaroxaban and aspirin, rivaroxaban alone, and aspirin alone. Here is the primary outcome, CV, death, stroke, or mine. In the 9,000 people who got the combination, 379 experienced a cardiovascular death or stroke or heart attack. That is 4.1%. In the ribaroxaban arm, 448 of the just over 9,000 patients experienced this outcome, 4.9%. And in the aspirin arm, 496 experienced this outcome. So clearly there's a gradient of effect. The greatest effect is in the combination, an intermediate effect in the rivaroxaban arm, and here is the control arm aspirin. For the comparison between the combination and aspirin, it was a 24% risk reduction. So that means if your baseline risk was 1%, it went down by 24% to about three-quarters of a percent. That's not very much. But if your baseline risk was 10%, it went down to about 7.5%. And if it was 20%, it would go down to 15%. So this is a very nice statistic to be able to work out what the benefit might be in an individual patient. We have the confidence intervals around that estimate, which, which are very tight. And if this is less than one, the upper limit, that shows it's significant. And here is that p-value, that probability. We ran out of space to put zeros, but it means the probability of this occurring by chance is remote. For the riveroxaban comparison with aspirin, the effect is intermediate. So it was slightly more effective than aspirin, but not significantly so. So this treatment will not be approved for use Whereas this combination will almost certainly be approved in every country around the world. For the rest of my presentation, I'm going to focus on this combination versus aspirin comparison. So the primary outcome is shown here on this in these bar graphs now. And the red is the combination, and the black is the aspirin. There's a 24% risk reduction. And this included a reduction in cardiovascular death, in stroke, and in myocardial infarction. So they're all consistently reduced. But the biggest effect seemed to be on stroke. Now, when we look at myocardial infarction, this wasn't statistically significant. But when we add up all types of acute coronary events, so here's myocardial infarction, if we add in sudden cardiac death, or if we add in sudden cardiac death and cardiac arrest, is a very consistent effect. So there is no doubt that this combination reduces each of the components of the primary outcome, deaths, coronary events, and strokes. There are a number of secondary outcomes, and I'm not going to go through them all, but just to show you that this reduction in cardiovascular death andion stroke was accompanied by a reduction in all types of deaths so imagine for a moment if you had a treatment that reduced cardiovascular death but it increased say fatal bleeds from the bowel you might not see an overall effect on mortality or if it included if it increased cancers it might cancel out the benefit So in the COMPASS trial, the primary outcome was clearly reduced and total mortality was also clearly reduced. It's almost like this is a slam dunk. This new treatment is absolutely beneficial for patients. It reduces total mortality by 18%. And that was statistically significant. There was a price to pay, and the price to pay was an increase in bleeding. Now you'll remember when I talked to you about the definitions of bleeding that we divided them more or less into the serious bleeds or the critical bleeds and the non critical bleeds. The excess major bleeding was 70%, which was highly significant. It was predominantly explained by an increase in non critical bleeds, whereas the critical bleeds were slightly increased, not quite statistically significant, but it's almost certainly real. But these event rates were low and the absolute increase was modest. So this is reassuring that the benefits clearly outweighed the risks because of the reduction in total mortality and the worst types of bleeds were not significantly increased. And that's also shown here. Again, major bleeding at the top increased by 70%. The non-critical bleeds up by 88%. The critical bleeds, including fatal, brain bleeding, other critical sites, and surgical bleeds, none of them are significantly increased. They all are increased, but the increases are all modest. Now, there's another point about the bleeding. Whereas the benefits of this treatment, accrued in year one, year two, and year three. The risks were all front-loaded, as best as we could tell. In these landmark analyses, the major bleeding access all occurred in the first year. There was a doubling of major bleeding. In the second year, there was no longer a significant increase in bleeding. And in the third year, it was entirely neutral. And this is a phenomenon that we've seen previously with drugs such as aspirin. We've also seen it with combinations of antiplatelet drugs such as aspirin and a P2Y12 receptor antagonist. So it's not entirely surprising that the risk is front-loaded. Now we're working on the bleeding paper, and there is an additional important observation. That is, when people experience bleeding, this often unmasks a cancer that we previously didn't know existed. And in fact, we found that one in 10 people with this major bleed in the first year actually ended up with a new diagnosis of cancer. Not an effect of the treatment. Simply, it's like a diagnostic test. You start a blood thinner, you have some bleeding from the bowel, you have a look, and you find a cancer. Now, is that a good thing? Well, perhaps it is because you get an early diagnosis of a cancer, you treat it early, and you're more likely to cure it, at least theoretically so. So, to summarise the results (coughs) of the compass, in patients with stable coronary or peripheral artery disease, the combination of rivaroxaban and aspirin reduces this primary outcome of cardiovascular death, stroke, or myocardial infarction. It reduces total mortality. You're going to hear more about the peripheral artery outcomes, so you can ignore this bullet point here for a moment, and uh, Sonia will explain that to you. It does increase major bleeding, but not the most serious types of bleeding, and it produces a clear net benefit for patients. Now, just a last slide to try to put this in some sort of perspective. You may be asking yourself, well, you showed me a lot of treatments work. Where does this fit into the whole story?" And everybody knows that lowering cholesterol is a good thing. How does the COMPASS therapy compare? Well, here we have some (coughs) of the results, and... If we look firstly at the triple outcome, and secondly at death, and I'll just focus on these first two lines in the graph. We start with beta blockers. They're effective at reducing mortality by just over 20%. And they're very widely used. And these have been used for for decades. When we consider the average effect of a statin, we get about a 21% reduction in the triple outcome of cardiovascular death, stroke, or MI, and a 9% reduction in mortality. For blood pressure lowering, the numbers are 20% and 13%. For ACE inhibition, 18% and 14%. And for the PCSK9 inhibitor that's approved for use, avalucumab, the magic drug, it is a very good treatment, There's a 15% reduction. And there is actually no reduction in total mortality. Well, here we have the compass results and you'll notice immediately that it compares very favorably with the big players. A 24% reduction in the triple outcome and an 18% reduction in mortality. It's almost impossible to compare across trials reliably, but it gives you the picture that here we're getting treatment effects that would seem to be at least as effective as the average effect of a statin, of blood pressure lowering, of ACE inhibition, and of a PCSK9 inhibitor. The effects on stroke are even larger. You'll hear more about that later on. So some speculation. What are the implications of this treatment if it was used in the United States widely? For example, if half or two-thirds of the eligible patients receive this treatment once it was approved by the FDA and has gone through all of the appropriate regulatory uh, considerations. Well, we would guess that using this low dose, this vascular protective dose of rivaroxaban in combination with aspirin as an alternative to aspirin alone, we would prevent each year, in the order of ten to twenty thousand major, serious, vascular events each year. That is the potential impact. Thank you very much. For